The deal between the PGA Tour and Saudi Arabia's public investment fund that rocked the golf world is running into trouble. It's Monday, October 9th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. to reshape golf is now facing significant hurdles. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports Newsletter co-author David Rumsey. Welcome, David. Hey, Owen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, great to have you. So what's the status of the deal between the PGA Tour and um, not Live Golf, but the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which funds Live Golf? Right. I'm glad you got it right. Uh, Everybody uh, seems to be confused these days, and I I don't blame them because I find myself confused and I'm covering it pretty much every day. Basically, this deal to bring the PGA Tour together with Saudi Arabia's public investment fund, which, like you said, uh, runs Live Golf, it's just not really going anywhere. We keep hearing reports of things slowing the talks down. We hear reports of other investors trying to lure the PGA Tour to partner with them, maybe even instead of with the PIF. So right now we're approaching a December 31 deadline. Seems kind of far away, but it's less than three months now. And that's about half the time has passed since the June announcement when this first deal came together. So I think people are starting to realize there's a lot going on between the money negotiations, the government concerns, antitrust regulations, all that, that could push this past the December 31 deadline. And then who knows what could happen? Right. I remember when this deal was announced, people were saying, usually you actually have a deal before you announce the deal. But, you know, obviously, there's some complications here. Do you have a sense of if there any of those factors is the most prominent between antitrust concerns, other investors trying to potentially replace the public investment fund, uh, maybe stuff with the U.S. government? being concerned with this, you know, Gulf getting, you know, very much intertwined with Saudi Arabia. Is any of those the most prominent? I would think that the U.S. government trying to block a deal would be probably one of the biggest deterrents for the PGA Tour, which is why a lot of people were thinking that maybe they were trying to bring on those U.S. investors instead. The problem is they're probably not offering up quite as much cash as the uh, PIF, which seems to have uh, limitless funds. So that's what I would guess would be maybe the number one concern. But like you said, it wasn't a deal when the deal got announced, it was a deal to have a deal. And since then, the PGA Tour players have gotten involved and kind of started to renegotiate. And it seems like they're not really taking into consideration what the the folks that the, the small circle that put this deal together had originally planned. They're kind of starting from scratch and saying, well, we want this compensation. What if we want some equity in this company? All kinds of things are being discussed for what the future of pro golf will look like. And I think it's just taking a really long time for all parties to get what they want. Yeah. And obviously there are tons of moving parts here. Do you have a sense of what's at stake in terms of the future of golf? My best guess is that no matter what happens, 2024 is going to look pretty much like what 2023 looked like, where you have the PGA Tour operating its events and you have Live Golf operating its events. I think the biggest difference for right now will be that Live has stopped trying to recruit players from the PGA Tour. And as long as these negotiations are going on or there is some sort of more formal 
agreement to come together eventually, even if it's not until 2025 due to antitrust or other government regulations, I think they're going to keep operating the same in 2024 would be my best guess. And any integration we would see would not happen until 2025. And at that point, it could be live coming under this PGA Tour under umbrella, it could be live going away. It could be a, a number of other things, but I think 2024 is going to look like 2023 largely. And then from there, we'll see a big shift. Right. And that shift obviously is going to be determined by if this deal comes to pass and what it actually looks like if it does. Anything else we should be watching out for as all this unfolds? I think just keep your eyes open. Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? So I, I take a lot of these reports really seriously. Sometimes where you hear things and you don't know what to think, whether it's true or not, but it seems to be a lot of issues trying to get this deal done. And I don't think that if they miss this December 31 deadline that everything will blow up and Liv will start recruiting players again and there won't be a deal. But if you miss one deadline, it makes it that much harder to get to your next deadline. So I, that's what I think. Where there's smoke, there's fire. There, there, there are problems going on, but money also talks. So if, if the money is still there, then probably expect some sort of deal to get done no matter how long it takes. Yeah, and if the public investment funds involved, the money is still there. David Rumsey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Owen. Up next, I spoke to Zaire Wade, who, like his father, Dwayne Wade, is working to get into the NBA, but he's taking a very different path. While Dwayne went to Marquette and was drafted fifth overall in one of the best draft classes ever, Zaire is exploring options that were not available to his father, playing in the Basketball Africa League and the G League. We talked about all that and plenty more, and that conversation is coming up next. The NFL clearly loves the gift it has been given of Taylor Swift fans suddenly being interested in Chiefs games due to her relationship with Travis Kelsey. And according to reporting from the New York Post, it's doing more than just being happy about this. The NFL wants to turn Swifties into football fans. The league reportedly asked its media partners, NBC, ESPN, Fox and CBS, to show promos for Swift's upcoming movie for free during NFL games. ESPN and NBC, who both have shown Chiefs games since the NFL's request, did show promos for the movie during their pregame shows. And NBC ran a paid-for ad for the movie during their broadcast of the Chiefs-Jets game on October 1st. But the biggest play might come from the NFL media partner we have not mentioned yet. Amazon already has a relationship with Swift through Amazon Music, and they'll be broadcasting the Chiefs-Broncos game this Thursday. The concert film Taylor Swift The Eras Tour comes out the next day. Over to hockey on the cusp of its season. The NHL wants more excitement around its draft. Like the NFL and NBA, drafted players can quickly become difference makers for their NHL teams. Unlike those two other leagues, the draft has never been a national moment. But the NHL is exploring an idea to change that, hosting the draft at The Sphere in Las Vegas. In a city that is so full of expensive, eye-catching buildings that it's hard for any of them to stand out, The Sphere stands out. It cost MSG Entertainment $2.3 billion to build. It is covered with LED screens on the outside and on the inside, and because it is spherical, it can be made to look like a basketball or the earth or any number of other things. And the NHL, which usually hosts its drafts in a team's arena, has its eye on that particular ball as it hopes to make its draft more of a spectacle, whether or not it involves a generational prospect like Connor Bedard. Speaking of Bedard, he's doing wonders for the Chicago Blackhawks before even playing a game for them. The team has nearly doubled its season ticket sales on the hopes that the Phenom can get them out of the NHL's basement. 
Simone Biles continues to defy laws of physics and biology. After returning to competition in August after a two-year hiatus, Biles finished the Gymnastics World Championships in Antwerp, Belgium with four gold medals plus a silver. Her performance involved moves that are named after her. That gives her sole possession of the record for combined Olympic and World Championship medals with 37. At 26, she is the oldest U.S. woman to ever win a World Championships medal. The Olympics sometimes lack household names, but Paris 2024 will now have one of the most compelling narratives going into the event in recent memory. FOS Today is powered by the Chevy Silverado. The Chevy Silverado has what it takes to do it all. Among its powerful selection of engines is the standard TurboMax, which offers 430 pound-feet of torque and combines impressive power with uncompromising durability. Available features like the multi-flex tailgate and the 13.4-inch touchscreen provide ultimate comfort and convenience. Options like the Z71 Off-Road Package and the ZR2 Bison Edition offer extreme capability in the most difficult terrain. Any truck can help you make a living. This one helps you build a life. All right, very excited to be joined now by Zaire Wade. Welcome, Zaire. So, man, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah, really great to have you. So you played in the Basketball Africa League earlier this year. What was that experience like? Yeah, man, um, so it was my first year playing overseas. Um, and the BAL was a new league itself. Um, I believe that was year two or three. So I came in pretty fresh. Um, and the whole experience was great as far as, like, the culture, uh, just being in South Africa, being in Egypt, Rwanda, you know, places like that, just getting, a, getting to see things that you really only hear about in stories, um, and just to be able to touch it and live it, experience it. Obviously, the basketball, um, just like anything in life, you have its, I mean, it has its ups and downs. But aside from that, I think everything was great. You know, most of the leagues we have here in the States, it feels like they've been here forever, obviously, with some exceptions. Uh, but what was it like being in a league that's, yeah, just a couple years old? It was great because I felt like I was a part of, you know, kind of like the startup of it. Um, and it, and the league has been going in a great direction. Like I said, from just from the first year, I think when uh, J. Cole uh, played in, um, I think that was the first time I kind of heard about it. And then for now to see, you know, Norris Cold is up there right now playing with uh, Ali All. So just to see, like, the expansion that the league has taken already in such a short time, um, them 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 wanting to promote me, um, you know, as part of the as part of the league, um, young point guard coming in, which is, which is great for me and them, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I remember writing a story, it must have been a couple of years ago, about J. Cole joining the BAL. And it was a lot of, you know, catching up and figuring out when, for me, when I wrote that. Yeah. Um, you're also in a not quite as new, but still feels, you know, somewhat new, or at least it, it's um, uh, sort of newly popular. And that's the G League. Uh, and that's been getting more attention as a source of basketball talent. Have you felt that you know, increased levels of scrutiny in the G League? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the G League has grown since it changed from the D League to the G League um, in tremendous ways. Just like having, you know, you see NBA champions or guys who are veterans for 10 plus years in the NBA come down and, and uh, you know, give their wisdom and, and play alongside you. So just the fact that it's not looked at as, you know, just such like a downplay league, it's more of a developmental league now, I think it's great because it starts to open up more doors. And, and now all the teams are starting to have a G League team. I know the, uh, the Trailblazers are next. Um, and then the Suns are the last team, I believe, that needs one. But, you know, it's just more opportunities for, for kids to chase their dreams. So I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think that the closeness of the G League to the um, to the NBA, it, it doesn't feel like a minor league anymore so much as it's like it's like the next, you know, you know, 
couple hundred guys who like are right on the cusp of the NBA. Um, do you think there are any next steps that the G League could take to, you know, just grow that interest and, and just keep growing the league? From personal experience, the first year uh, with the Jazz, we were pretty like pretty close to the NBA team, so it was kind of it was it wasn't too hard to get access to like you know certain things like the facility or if you wanted to get mentorship from a certain player or you know maybe somebody on the staff. But I think that's one thing that would be dope to see as the years go, just like kind of how they continue to integrate like the NBA team per se and the G League team together. Um, you know, like more teams are starting to play in big arenas now, like, you know, like in, in the actual NBA arenas versus in, a, in a, maybe like a local gym. So just just things like that, which, you know, which might give guys even more of a hunger um, to go out there and play. Yeah, absolutely. And that cross-pollination, I feel, you know, it's only going to help everyone, right, if you can get that going. Uh, you appeared on our My Other Passion series with our, our friends at Chevrolet, where you talked about your love of biking. Uh, what has biking meant to you as a hobby off the court? Well, I mean, it started like a long, long time ago, um, really ever since I moved to like Miami, I would say. So around nine, eight, eight nine, ten years old, um, it's kind of like a peace of mind, you know, I mean, one of my best friends, uh, Blake always used to bike, um, you know, because aside from basketball, you kind of need something to take your mind away, um, you know, especially as a kid. Um, people try to view, I guess, others, others in my situation as like these uh, people who shouldn't have normal lives. But that, that was always something that I could just get out and uh, feel normal with. So since then, I started taking it as like, a, you know, more more serious as far as um, exercising as I got older, you know, how it can help with my legs and strengthening and just all that type of stuff um still still while maintaining that kind of peace of mind feeling when i rise so yeah i was just about to ask if it's more of like a mental health or a physical health thing for you but it sounds like it's it's both and it's maybe been you know at different times in your life it's it's meant more one than the other yeah and I, yeah you hit it on the point i was gonna say like it's a little bit of both i guess it just depends what what point in life um right now today i think it would just be more for like that mental aspect um Definitely ask the physical too. I feel like it always gives you physical, depending on how long you're riding for. Um, but I would more so focus on it for the mental aspect. Yeah. Do you find you have sort of different thoughts? Like your mind goes different places as as you're you're going different places on your bike. Yeah, absolutely. Depend and especially depends where you take it. You know, and you're riding. If you're riding along the coast, uh, Malibu is a great spot. There's a whole bunch of canyons. You know, as you know in LA. So really, just depends what type of vibe you want. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so your goal is to reach the NBA. Have your experiences in the G League and the Basketball Africa League helped you get closer to your dream there? Man, it, it, well, I'm 21 now. Uh, my first year in the pros was 19. So just like the past two years, I've just grown um, overall my maturity and my approach to the game. I remember having you know, teammates like Carson Edwards, Macy O.T., Jerry Butler, um, a lot of guys like that my first year. Uh, and they would mentor me a lot. You know, those are guards that I had watched, you know, when I was younger, maybe early high school or even late middle school, some of those guys. And um, just just seeing how they approach the game at the level that they're at showed me, like, at whatever level I was at, how much more serious I needed to take it and um, start putting extra time into my game. I know um, Coach Lau, um, call him Coach L.E., from the stars, he he was a great guy with me. Uh, he made sure that I got up before practice, every practice like an hour before, and got some shots up with him. Uh, but just working out before and after, and I just really saw a tremendous leap 
in my game. Like once I started to do that, um, like when we played Ignite, I had a I had a stretch there in Vegas where I was playing really good. It was on a lot of people's radar. So that that alone, that experience helped me mentally, obviously a lot, just on how to approach the game. And I think that gave me like that mental confidence to be able to, you know, take things over to South Africa and play over there. And um, that was a whole nother aspect I needed to tap into. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you've got a Hall of Fame dad. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've received from Dwayne, um, you know, as as you can afford your own path in, in basketball? Man, I got I got the cheat code as far as one of the best dads <laughs> goes for sure. Um, I'm very blessed for it. He's just overall, he just tells me that, like, my path is unique. And, you know, like, how dope would it be at the end? Um when the story is all said and done to look back and see, you know, how difficult it was and how I overcame it. So really just to, to stay on it. Um, he never has me compare our two paths because they're totally different. Right. So we, once we kind of skipped over that phase of um, trying to see if our paths are going to be similar, I think we kind of just put our hands together and um, said that this was going to be for me. And I just kind of got to take it by storm and, and go for it. So yeah, you know, even though you're you're just 21 and you want to be a basketball player like, like your dad was, it's you know same goal but already such a different path. Uh, do you have advice for you know young people who are you know pursuing their passion and like you know finding their own path, even if there is kind of a, a clear one path they could take? I would say expect the unexpected. That's one thing I wish I could tell myself. Like when I was younger, like I think we all have this plan, you know, when we're kids, like what life's going to be like, and then as you get older, it kind of not even deters, but it just takes its turns, you know, left to right, whatever that may be. So just kind of stay in the course. Um, and it doesn't mean like necessarily have a plan B to give up whatever your plan A was. It just means that you have to be ready to fight through those roadblocks. If you really want what you say you do. Um, Cause when you're younger, everything looks, you know, kind of bright and sweet and easy road ahead until you really start getting into it. So uh, that's my advice. Don't let nobody tell you that you can't do it really. Was there ever, I mean, like maybe not a plan B, but if you weren't a basketball player, is is there a direction you think you might have gone? No, for sure. I'm 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 multi talented in life. I, I I take pride on that. And 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 like you said, it's not really a plan B. It's just like you basketball. Even if you know I amounted to for you know uh, basketball to go exactly how I planned, that only lasts to you know X amount of years. So you still gotta have something for the rest of your life. So regardless, I'll say for me. I'm just big on being like in the whole entrepreneurship space, you know, from starting my clothing brand five years ago now at 16 to just trying to tap into other other businesses and other ways. I told my dad I need to get into the um, whole wine industry soon, um, trying to take that next step. But just just anything that you can try to get your hands on nowadays, you know, we're about to hit 2024, a lot of investments, a lot of things you can do, um, just being an entrepreneur role. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, really appreciate your time, Zaire Wade. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Owen. That is it for today. If you're enjoying the show, tell a friend and make sure you're subscribed on the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you tomorrow.